Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. The name of the game in college basketball is intrastate rivalries. If you're a favorite and you're going on the road against a rival, you better bring your A game because we've seen some big time close battles and some big time upsets already. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener podcast where we talk all things college basketball. I'm Mike Randall, joined as always by my wonderful partner, Gus Kearns. Gus, how are you doing today? Mike Randall, so great. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you for however you are choosing to consume the Screen the Screener podcast. We are creating this college basketball listening experience on the evening of December 8th, 2006. We hope to aid in your commute, help cross some of the items off of your holiday to-do list, even maybe fill a basket that you might be folding laundry with. We're so thankful, we're humbled, and we're fired up to chat some NCA hoops with Mike Randall and you, our ever-expanding audience. And speaking of audience, Gus, do you hear that applause in the background right now? That's right. That's the applause, ladies and gentlemen, for Gus hitting yet another fishy line. I'm going to start calling you Aquaman, my friend, because you are 7-1. and one. And again, this is just us. We have a read on college basketball, unlike any other podcast. Listen, listen to the knowledge that Gus is going to give you, and that's what happens. Let's review it. How was that fishy line, Gus? Mike Randall, can you do me a favor? Can you please ring that bell again? With pleasure, my friend. There it is. That's right. We called for Notre Dame and the cover and nailed it. Now, this was a 25-point lead for the Irish in the second half, and the Macedons came back and made a game out of it and got it down to about 10 or 11 with about three minutes to play. Our man Mo Evans had a monster second half for Fort Wayne. He finished with 25 points. We were super impressed with John Conchar. Useful player. And we thought he could fit very well into that Irish uniform. And we'd be praising him for his hustle in the Irish uniform. But very impressed for his efforts on Fort Wayne. They are going to be a total beast in the summit this year. I think they're legitimately good. We expressed our worries about the point guard position that the Irish have this season with getting spoiled with Jackson and Grant. But I'm going to tell you, hats off to Matt Farrell. Super impressed. Tough as nails. Hits his open shots. Hits his free throws. What else do you want from your point guard? And just another day at the office for our favorite, slightly undersized power forward, Bonsi Colson. Just another double-double. Bangs three threes, five assists. Ring that bell. Yeah, I'll tell you, Notre Dame can score. That is not the issue. They can always put the points up and give credit to Fort Wayne out of the Summit Summit League. They have gone. They've played. They've beaten Indiana at home. They went into Notre Dame. Gus, when it's 41-23 at the half, it's very easy for the Mastodons to fold, and they did not. As you said, they stayed around. They played it tough. Um, The guard for uh, Fort Wayne, Evans, is a nice player, hit four three-pointers, hit 25 points. Conchar, nice job with 18 Mm -hmm. and and nine rebounds. Uh, But Notre Dame, I I will tell you this, and people who aren't in the know are going to say, oh, they're playing Fort Wayne. No, I I think their defense is improved, and I heard them talk about this on the telecast. They're definitely playing more defense from Mike Bray than they have in the past, and they have to. Um, Farrell was a guy who was close to transferring, from what I heard. He wasn't yeah. happy in his role. He's glad he stayed. The guy is, is a real good shooter. Went 0, for, went 0 for 4 in this game, but he's a very, very good shooter. Leads the team well. 
Colson, of course, Beecham, great games. And how about my boy, Steve Vistoria? There he is. There is no one who's a bigger fan of of Steve Astoria than I am. If you think you're a bigger fan of Steve Astoria, why don't you tweet the podcast at SDS Podcast on Twitter or myself at Fantasy FTSY Warrior Mike. Or if you don't want to talk to me because I annoy you too much, send it to Gus at CKERN, C-K-E-A-R-N-S 12 on Twitter. But now Vistoria, he had backdoor cuts. He had a three, eight of eight from the line, of course, Steve. Uh, nice win for Notre Dame. Fort Wayne hung around, but... The most important thing is, that's right. You hit another fishy line, Gus. Well done. Uh, I think both teams are going to be good, and I agree with you on the upping on defense for Notre Dame. I think they are a little tighter on D this year than they have been in years past, and I think that's going to just – I don't know why that wouldn't aid them going into league play and then helping them down in March. Um, So very happy we nailed another fishy line. Keep listening to see what we're going to come up with next. And again, we dive deep for these fishy lines. We just don't go look at the ranked team and pick out like, oh, who do we really like? We really do some research. We take a look at the metrics. We take a look at trends. We take a look at Ken Palm numbers. We are all over this thing. And we, we try to give you a realistic fishy line that looks a little bit odd to us when we go ahead and read these things out to you. So we're hope- thankful that you guys are listening and we hope that you guys are cashing in on some in some fashion. And, that's, uh, and Gus, that's a perfect segue right now because talk about research and talk about metrics and knowledge. Our guest that we're going to ha- have on the podcast today is Paul Biancardi. Uh, Coach Biancardi works for ESPN. He's the director of, of, co- of high school recruiting for ESPN. Tremendous knowledge. He's coached at Boston College. He's coached at St. Louis. Done an outstanding job. And he's going to give you some knowledge on not only the current teams in college, but who he's seeing coming across next year already. And Gus, he's got some incredible knowledge for the folks, right? Oh my goodness. I was a little bit blown away by the amount of information that he had stacked up on each one of the players. Uh, he had an amazing amount of information for this current freshman class and and, and the stats and, and the nuggets that he had for the incoming freshmen were equally as impressive. Uh, whatever he's doing, he's doing it absolutely right. So use this next couple of minutes just to further your mind and even get yourself ready for next season. I was so impressed with what he brought to the table for us. And listen, keep you you hang on and finish this podcast through because I bet you're going to want to know who has a seven foot eight eight wingspan and is still unsigned right now as a senior in high school. Coach Biancardi's <laughs> going to tell you. All right, that was great. Oh my goodness. Uh, what do you think? Let's uh, let's transition into uh, news and notes. News and notes from the hardwood. All right, so Gus, couple games that have come here. We talked about this that. Uh, the big time games may be slowing down a little bit right now. We got some interstate rivals and things like that. But there was one huge game that went on in Madison Square Garden. Why don't you tell everybody about Duke and Florida? So, you know, we, we, we didn't mock, but we made, you know, we, we just called out that Duke doesn't play many road games. And when they do, they are at MSG, uh, kind of their second home. Um, and uh, all for a good cause, all for the Jimmy V. So we're not mocking that part of it, um, but they do not go on the road to play a big opponent. Um, but they were uh, in MSG to play a big opponent. They 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 were playing a ranked Florida team. Uh, Mike White has it rolling in the right direction, and we just want to start with we're thankful that Jason Tatum found health with Duke's top shelf training staff and showed out with 22 points in 28 minutes of play. 
Uh, Marquise Bolden put his feet on the MSG floor, and he fouled a few Gators. Uh, one more frosh to get off that mash unit for Duke, and then they will be whole. Oh, yeah, the wise Paul Biancardi referenced the number one player in this year's freshman class, Harry Giles. Um, so listen into that. Um, and when Duke is whole and healthy, Coach K will have the best of problems on his hands. Where do all these minutes go? And who do they go to? And how do I decide that? Florida should not drop a spot in the rankings after this game. Uh, keeping this game within 10 points for the entire game, uh, for the most part, uh, was a very small, a tiny bit of the moral victory that you hate referencing, but in this case I think it's appropriate for Mike White and the Gators. Screen the Screener has referenced the multitude of amazing backcourts in college basketball this year, Kentucky, UCLA, UNC, uh, Kansas, Creighton. But I'll tell you what, Florida has a little something cooking with former top 25 recruit Casey Hill and Javon Allen. They can play with just about anybody in the nation, and they showed out in a big way in this game against Duke on the most famous arena on the planet. Um, Mike Rail, do you have thoughts on Casey Hill? Do you, do you, did you did you get a feel for him from this game? I, I keep referencing poker just to make the, the listeners laugh, but I, I find that life and college basketball does mirror poker in a lot of ways. And what I mean by that is you have to know the numbers, you have to know how many cards, how many face cards, but in the end it comes down to your gut. And your gut tells you whether the person you're playing against has it or not. Casey Hill has had a lot of struggles in Florida. He came in as a highly touted recruit. He was playing behind Wilbekin. Then he got the job. Then he lost the job. He passed my eye test in this game. He's super quick. He may have gotten it together here late as a senior. Uh, I think as Casey Hill goes, this team is going to go. I, I like what they have going. Hill, he needs to stay under control. I understand that, but his jumper has been better. That's what Vital was talking about as well. So I think Casey Hill can really have a very strong season for Florida Gator fans, and I know they may be doubting me, but what I saw, he passed my eye test, all right? Now, as for Kennard, Kennard was a guy who was kind of thought of as once these freshmen come in, you know, is Kennard really going to have a role because they saw him as not as good as Grayson Allen, right? I will tell you right now, Gus, Luke Kennard is going to be the leading scorer on Duke this entire year. You can book it. You can take it to the bank. And I'll see you in March. Because Kennard does – I've now seen the 35-point game and I've seen this 29-point game. He is not just a shooter. He's super smart. Allen's becoming more of a distributor. Okay, And listen – Tatum was off the charts impressive. Vital kept gushing about him. The body control at the end of the first half where he hung in the air and he finished. He's a big-time player. Luke Kennard is going nowhere. He is vital to their success. Allen talked about it in one of the interviews he had that he always loses to Kennard and Horse. The kid is the best shooter on the team. No one gives him credit because they think of Grayson Allen. Jones is now going to be a, a sort of a glue guy, which is fine. And we talked last time about how great Emil Jefferson is, how important he is to the Duke team. But Luke Kennard really impressed me. I don't think his minutes get cut at all by these freshmen. He's the key guy. He really is. Grayson Allen only had six in this game. I know his foot may be bothering him a little bit. I understand that. But I think that that's the pattern. You're going to get big-time points from Kennard. Tatum's going to continue to score. Jefferson will get his double-double. And Allen will have his games where he has 28 or 27. But he'll also have games like this where he has 6 to 10. You know what? Your, your, your talk about Casey Hill is very appropriate because I feel like there's one thing that's like very volatile about him. Um, 
he has this like breakneck speed category that he can bust into. Um, I think just budgeting that effort of speed is going to be the key to his success this year. I think it's very similar to uh, to Sumner from Xavier, um, where where he's almost too he's almost too fast for his own good, um, and 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 he's he's too fast with the ball or too fast without the ball for his own good. If he can kind of moderate that and downshift a bit. I'm I'm with you. I think they're onto something there in Florida, and I'm so glad that he um, stayed in school, committed to getting better as a student athlete, and has found success under Mike White. Um, very excited to see him the rest of the season, and I'm, I'm yeah, it was cool to see him play really well against one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, it's so true, so true. Um, and, and I, I love Hill and, and Kevon Allen as well. Quick shooter in the backcourt. I'm excited to watch Florida team. I enjoy watching it. How about Mike White at halftime when he got interviewed? And they, you know, they asked him the generic question, and, and you, you know me, Gus. I, I want to be real. I want real answers here. So yeah. he gave a real answer. He said they're better than us. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that is, that's super refreshing. But he gave a – I like that. That, that. Mike White goes up in my mind because he's a straight shooter. He's got to tell it like it is. Don't sugarcoat it. And that's why I think, like you said, his team kept a close second half. Agreed. Um, and you know the other cool thing about that answer at halftime was sometimes the truth hurts, and it hurts when you know that a team is better than you. Great job out of him telling the truth and great job admitting that it might hurt as well. Uh, I think uh, I'm just going to start with hashtag basketball narcolepsy. (laughs) What a tremendous hashtag. And I feel like you and I and a bunch of other of the NCAA basketball vagabonds fall under this hashtag. There is nothing better than a late night West Coast NCAA hoops game uh, with Miles Simons on the mic. He is so underrated as an announcer. Really enjoy his work. Um, so I was so happy to hear him on the call for the Washington-Gonzaga game. Um, you know what? I was up punching out some work on the computer, multitasking. It's just like every dad needs to do around the holidays. And ESPN offered up the pleasure of number eight, Gonzaga, over Washington. Gonzaga takes a game, 98-71. And I have a few late-night nuggets from this epic in-state event Again, Mike Randall, you brought up the in-state rivalries, and this is just another one that goes down. You know what? Gonzaga's good. Really good. For a moment, Jonathan Williams was the best player on the floor. And then at the end of the game, you look at the box score, and he only had nine points. Uh, Fultz's box score numbers are amazing but skewed. If you paid close attention to this game, he and Dickerson were the only Huskies to go hit the board hard. Fultz hit the offensive uh, offensive glass with abandon. Um, He missed a few of these putbacks going up against the likes of Karnowski and Tilly and Collins, you know, Gonzaga's uh, uh, tripod of legit seven-footers, and 99% of the players in the nation would have missed those follow-up shots as well. I was ultra-impressed with Fultz mixing it up on the offensive glass with the big boys. So do not look at his 10-for-26 field goal line with a leery eye because that is really misleading because a lot of those a lot of those misses were on those putbacks against those seven-footers, and he put out the effort to hit the offensive glass when nobody else was. Um, the Frosh was competing against multiple seven-footers with skills. Uh, P.S. Mark L. Fultz, welcome to the NBA. That's what it's going to look a lot like. He still, he put up 25 and 10 boards. Really impressed with his game. Throw out that field goal percentage due to all those putbacks. Karnowski, he is an issue. 23 minutes, 17 points, 8 boards, 3 dimes. 
multiple contested shots on D. He demands a double team every time he gets a paint touch. He is just unmanageable one-on-one down in the post. So impressed with Karnowski. Again, we here at Screen the Screener are so excited that he has found health and has found his way back onto the, the, onto the hardwood, and that he's finding success um, with his improved health. Nigel, Nigel William-Goss had like a Fultz-type line. 23 points, 5 dimes, 5 boards. You think he wanted to stick it to Washington after transferring? Probably. Kudos to both the programs for making this game happen. Um, even with that like weirdo storyline uh, story kind of lurking in the background, um, it definitely added a little juice to the game. Uh, the freshman Tilly for Gonzaga, 7-foot guy, I saw him dive on the floor multiple occasions for loose balls and possessions, really impressed with his effort along with his skill. Other seven-foot freshman for Gonzaga, Collins. I, I, I'm going to say it right now. And I, and I think uh, uh, Coach mentioned this when we interviewed him. He's got some NBA skills. I'm really impressed with his game. And I think they're only going to develop as the year goes on. Um, and here's the other part I took from this, too. You know what? Washington looked lost. No high fives on the foul line after made free throws. No team huddles during quick game stoppages. Not a lot of talk on the defensive end. The point guard was the toughest rebounder inside while the bigs jack threes from outside with little regard for time and score. They need something. I don't know what it is. That's the coach's job to figure it out, but they need something. Aside from Fultz playing out of his head, let's just trust Coach Romar can refocus his team, get them rolling for the Pac-10 play, and screen the screener holds hope very dearly. So let's just all hope that the Huskies get it right from here on out. You know, what a great rundown, and, and thanks for the hashtag basketball narcolepsy. Uh, if you're listening to us, follow us on Twitter at SDS Podcast because we're going to send tweets out. I sent this one out last night, and, and three of our loyal listeners, uh, we got uh, Boog79, uh, another, twi- another Twitter handle. I, I can't – it's so long I can't even spell it, but the gentleman's name is C. He's an ESPN tech. He's a huge fan of the show. And then I also had a conversation with Javier Morales, who runs AllSportsTucson.com, um, and he's at, at Javier J. Morales. We were talking. I was tweeting the narcolepsy thing. We were all going back and forth talking about it, and uh, a lot of takeaways. Number one, Washington has got to play some defense, and, and Morales talked about this on his tweet to me. Uh, coach Romar, boy, he can recruit, right? Boy, can he really recruit? But the problem is he's got to coach him up a little better. He wasn't calling a timeout when the team was down 20 right away in the first half. That's a really fair criticism. And we love Coach Romar. He's done a great job. He can certainly get the players in, but he's got to coach his team up because, quite frankly, we want to see Gus Markel Fultz in the tournament. All right? But if they're going to play defense like this, that's not going to happen. Um, And the other thing, listen, right on the money, here's the applause again. Can you hear it? There's your applause again. That's for your Gonzaga Final Four pick. This is not your mom and pop's Gonzaga team. They are tough. They play defense. Williams Goss was fired up to go against his old team. Shemek is great inside. He's such an issue. Huge. Uh, This team is very, very good. Perkins, the whole thing, everything you talked about. Gonzaga can play with anyone. And that game on January 14th against St. Mary's, provide that St. Mary's gets uh, gets past a, a Texas Arlington team tonight, which, by the way, is giving a little bit of trouble as we talk. Um, that is going to be a huge game. Washington, we love Fultz. He does it all. Their big guys, Gus, are just not good enough. They're traveling. They're getting blocked. They're taking shots, like with the ball in a shot put position. 
he just doesn't have the support around him. He's got to have a massive game. I agree with you. Don't judge him by the line. But this, again, tough one for Washington. We hope they can get it together. But Gonzaga is good. They are good. And you know who we didn't even mention? We didn't even mention Wes Matthews, who who hit a bunch of threes. Bunch of threes, yeah. Very good. So comfortable out on the wing. Like, it looked like he wasn't even bothered. Yep. Um, so we didn't even we didn't even bring him up at all on this uh, with this review of this game, and and he played he, he played an unbelievable role and and played really well in this game against Washington. Um, another interstate rivalry that was tight for the first half, and then got a little bit out of hand in the second half. Number ten Creighton over Nebraska. Creighton uh, takes a game seventy seven sixty two. And, and keeping with our in-state matchups, this game was tight at the half, and then Creighton put their stamp on this game. And we, we've mentioned Creighton as one of the best backcourts in the nation. Uh, one of our first podcasts, we, you know, we, 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 we highlighted uh, Watson, uh, Watson and Foster as possibly one of the best backcourts in the nation. We're not, we're not getting off that at all. But what we do want to do is we want to make sure that you pay attention that Creighton has players all over the court, not just the skilled backcourt. Huff is a really skilled big wing. He's a threat from deep. He can hit the three. Uh, he has some ball skills. And Patton is legit big with NBA-type skills and size. And then they have a whole bunch of role players that they can plug in at the other positions. This team is legit, and the Blue Jays just keep it rolling and dominate the second half after a tight uh, first half with Nebraska. Yeah, listen, Nebraska's a Big Ten team. I understand they may not be one of the top ones, but this is still a road game against an intrastate rival, and Creighton blew the doors off. Now, listen, it was close for the first half. I understand that. But as you heard from some of the other games, the ones we're going to talk about, usually these games come down to the wire. This one did not. And why is that, folks? Because Creighton is good. And I love my pick to the Final Four because they won this game, Gus, with Watson with 25, Huff at 13, and Marcus Foster, who I told you is going to be the guy who takes mm-hmm. the big shots for them down the stretch. Watson had 25 points, no three attempts. He's not a huge three guy, all right? Nope. So in the end, if they need big shots and big jump shots, it could be Foster. Only had seven. This team has some depth. Patton, as you said, has skills. He's a huge addition to this team. Creighton is going, and they, have, and they have a great coach in McDermott. Creighton is going to be really, that's my takeaway. Creighton is going to be really good. Nebraska, tough rivalry game. But you blow out a team on the road when it's, when it's an interstate rival, that's something. And Creighton, top, is 10 in the country. They're going to go even higher next week. I agree. Uh, again, your final four pick here looks a little bit like, uh, you know, a little bit like a fortune teller. Very impressed with the final four pick on Creighton. They look amazing. And the more and more you watch them, the more and more that you pay attention to the other parts that are working really well on their team that are just complementing that amazing backcourt that they have with Watson and Foster. And, yeah, they didn't even need a big game from Foster in this game, which was just crazy. Like, they, they won this game going away with him scoring single digits. I, I even, love Even more impressive. I love the Creighton-Baylor pick for me, but I got to tell you, you and I are going to be riveted to that January 14th game because Gonzaga blows St. Mary's out. Your pick is even better than it looks right now. And if St. Mary's somehow finds a way to win in Gonzaga, I'll be hitting bells for 10 minutes to start this podcast the next day. <laughs> Just just give, give it give us like a nice combination of like uh, you know Roxy Bernstein, uh, Miles Simon. Give 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 us a great announced crew on that game, and I am all fired up for that. I am so excited to see that game. Uh, yeah, but let's not fast forward to anything. Let's let's enjoy 
the nice slow roll that we have this next month leading up to that game. Can't wait for that WCC matchup. Man, it's going to be good. Holy smokes. Just like um, just like Drake has that, that shirt of Doris Burke, I may have one of Jock Landell for that game. Great reference. That's hilarious. All right, sorry. Uh, moving on. Uh, moving Doris on. Burke has handles, man. She, she can handle that ball. Holy smokes. Um, let's stick with the interstate rivalry uh, theme, and we're going to bring up an upset that happens because all these all these inter rival interstate rival games include you know it's bound to happen like the one fan base gets all riled up um, that team looks at it as like their Super Bowl so on and so on so let's move let's move over the map uh, two states over from Nebraska and uh, two states over to the east to Indiana where a matchup that finds a ranked team on the losing side again that's right IUPU Fort Wayne versus Indiana. That was the first interstate Indiana uh, matchup that was upset. Um, the script was too good here. Can we just alert the people at 30 for 30 to go ahead and start working on this already? Um, Brenton Scott of Indiana State sinks one of two three throws with under a second to play to lock up the upset against a ranked Butler team. People that, pe- people that are loving Butler. Um, now, it gets better, right? So you think like, oh, you know, this, you know, this this player from Indiana State hits the free throw with under a second to go. Listen to this. Scott's twin brother plays for. That's right. Wait for it. Wait for it. IUPU Fort Wayne. A little magic in the family. Bryson Scott actually showed out big time and went for eighteen and twelve in that upset of Indiana. Can anybody be prouder than the Scott family is in Indiana right now? Yet another authentic student-athlete experience for both these brothers that just might define their, 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 their careers as student-athletes at these fine universities. And, and who can write that script? I mean, that is amazing. Twin brothers on opposite Division I teams in the state of Indiana, and they both pull up giant upsets against top 20 ranked teams. Amazing storyline. Yeah, this was quite a battle. You had the four and four Sycamores from Indiana State. You had Butler coming in. Everyone wants to knock them off. You know, the hang, the uh, Brad Stevens residue, okay? 8-0, win against Arizona on the resume. They're figuring this is going to be a close one, but we'll eke it out. Not so fast, my friends, as Lee Corso would say. Uh, listen, uh, Butler still had three guys in doubles. But the fact is, this is why I think this tournament, Gus, could be one of the best ones we've ever seen. Because you have seniors on Indiana State who are Mm -hmm. ready and who are proud. And you have some of these other teams that are coming in with younger players. Now, Butler's not too young, but they're going to post a challenge. It's very Middle Tennessee State-ish versus Michigan State. Same sort of thing. The Mm -hmm. only one that gives us a tip about this is that the game was in Indiana State. But um, like you said, great game. 25 for Scott. He has 3 of 6 from three-point range. Uh, what a great win for this team. And listen, Butler, it happens. No big deal. Indiana lost to, to Indiana, Purdue, Fort Wayne, and then they turn around and beat UNC at home and when they had Joel Berry. Uh, so this happens, but it was a great game, great win. Love the underdog. Big win for the Sycamores. Speaking of Joel Berry, if we didn't talk about UNC Davidson, I think we would be doing our listeners a disservice. They had no Joel Berry in this game, and there was a bit of an issue for the Tar Heels. Mike Randall called it that this game would be closer than UNC wanted. It was a one-possession game with under two minutes to go. Uh, at 
uh, at Chapel Hill, at UNC. Jack Gibbs did his thing with 35-3. and three. Uh, Peyton Aldridge put up a A-10, put the A-10 on alert, that he's going to be an issue all year as long as he stays out of foul trouble. It was a great win for UNC without their, without their floor general. And Justin Jackson is just, you just keep doing your thing, Justin Jackson. Not only is he hitting that floater and getting break, uh, breakaway layups, but now he's even shooting threes with unbelievable accuracy. He went seven for 13 from deep. And Luke May got his money's worth out of this game. <laughs> he came in, scored 10 points, got six boards, and four fouls. He had a real positive impact on the outcome of the game. Um, so you may look at the final score and think like, oh, you know, that game was closer than they thought. But UNC had to dig deep, fight hard, defend the final three minutes without their floor general, without their leader, without Joel Berry II. Um, I'm going to say I think the takeaway for this game is good on both teams. Nice job out of the Tar Heels squeaking out a win without their floor general. And great showing on the road against a top 10 team. Even without Joel Berry, um, I think that they're going to be they're going to be an issue in the A10, and Davidson is going to be really efficient. And again, it was nice watching teams make baskets. Um, Coach Williams, Coach McKillop, really great offensive minds. It was nice seeing them put their uh, players in positions to score. Yeah, Bob McKillop's a great coach. I put this out on Twitter also. This was the first couple minutes in. Jack Gibbs just had that look again. He was ready. He knows this game. You know what? They weren't going to win it. So good. But you know He's what? So this good. is this is his first round NBA draft game is what it was. He put 30 on. He was 5 of 10, 50% from three-point range. Uh, was all over the place. Had five rebounds, three assists, a steal. Uh, was tremendous. North Carolina had no answer for him. And they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle without Joel Berry. But Jackson stepped up. Again, enough of that silly soft article, which was ridiculous. Yeah, uh, totally. Hick, Hicks and Meeks flip a coin. One of them is going to have 10. The other will have six. But they both are tough inside. Um, Britt struggled as well. Uh, Roy tried to get Tony Bradley some some extra minutes to get the freshman ready because I think he's going to need him for some some depth. Little disappoint. Little disappoint. I thought Kenny Williams would do better after having that mm. big game against Radford. I, I did expect him to do better. He played. You know, he's a sophomore. He, he played like an inexperienced player in this game, but I do think he's going to be at the end of the season a valuable contributor. But they struggle without Barry. You know what? Survive in advance. But hello, Mister Gibbs. Mm-hmm. He was he was really impressive again. We, we talked about him throwing him in the A-10 player of the year uh, conversation, and this game did nothing to sway us from that uh, opinion whatsoever. Uh, how about we head to one of our favorite places? You want to take a walk down the Ave? On Broadway. Nothing I like better than a little walk on Broadway, my friend. And I think here on Broadway – we're going to start giving the, giving the listeners here some players. We started doing that last time besides the games, some players. And uh, the first player we're going to look at on Broadway, Gus, uh, I think, uh, you know, just not to toot my own horn, I think uh, is looking like a first-team All-American to me, my friend. Oh, man. So when we did our All-American teams a couple of podcasts back, uh, Mike Randall called for Frank Mason the Third from Kansas to be first-team All-American. Is one of the few places that you're going to see. It's one of the few places that he'll be uh, getting that recognition. You know, he'll he'll get his first team All Big Twelve. He'll get uh, some honorable mention status. But Mike Randall will go in ahead and put him up on the first team. And guess what? Just another thirty point game. That's all he does. And he put up this thirty point game in Bill Self's six hundredth victory. Just on a side note, I bet this one was pretty special for Self. Because he got to celebrate this with his son on the team. That must be a really cool thing. 
um, to celebrate a special win, uh, a, a, a landmark win, and go ahead and give your son a hug in the locker room afterwards. That must be so cool. Uh, but Mason, your first team All-American call is looking better and better with every KU win and every game that he puts up. He's just putting up crazy numbers, averaging over 20 points a game. Man, he deserves a spot on Broadway. I'm super impressed. His name is definitely up on the marquee in neon pink. Wow. It helps them so much because we say the success is going to happen when teams have defined roles, right? We've been harping on this all through our podcast. Mason scoring just helps them out tremendously because Devontae Graham, he had 18 and six threes in this game, and he always shoots well at home, by the way. The issue with Graham is sometimes on the road. But mm. 18 points per game, he is not a reliable scorer. He isn't. We've watched him. He's a tremendous athlete. You love to have him on a team. High motor guy. He's four threes, and then he's six points the next game. So you can't rely on him. Um, you know, Jackson, the freshman, he's doing a nice job for them. He had 19 points in this game. Totally uh, coming around. Josh Jackson only played 28 minutes, but he's mm-hmm. coming around. That was your call. He was very, very good. But Mason with the 30 is a huge deal because Lucas inside and Azabuki inside, those are not big-time scorers. There, if you get eight points, you're happy. So the scoring's got to come from the guards, which is how teams win in the tournament. And and this year, Kansas has a really, really good look with these guards. So, um, And, and your boy uh, Mihailik also had 10 points and two threes. Let's not Sweet. forget about him. Had a great tournament last year. So... Uh, great one for Kansas. Congratulations, Coach Self. He's in a superb coach, does a great job, great recruiter, great coach, has a title to his resume and 600 wins. Mighty impressive. Unbelievable. Next player on Broadway, and we kind of we frame this and call this out our last podcast. Um, it's not often that a player, uh, a mid-major type player, gets the uh, stage to go ahead and show off against a big-time team um, but that's exactly what Alex Peter Valpo got. Uh, he got to go to Kentucky after the UCLA loss, so they were going to be all fired up. They're going to be a little grumpy, a little grouchy. Uh, they had probably run, <laughs> you know, it's on a suicides uh, the practices before. Um, but he did his thing at Kentucky. He had twenty three and eight. Now a twenty five point game, a twenty five point loss for Valpo at Kentucky isn't a big deal. But we just wanted to pay attention to see how Peters did against a high-level competition. He showed he can compete with anybody at any level in this game. Uh, And you know what? He just might pull up a chair uh, next to Josh Hart at the All-American table after this performance. So we're going to say congratulations, Alex. After a subpar first half, he came back and put up big numbers against a legit competition. And I don't see why he wouldn't do anything different uh, in conference. And can't you just see him put like ending the season with like numbers that are that are like 20, like not maybe not as impressive as Doug McDermott his senior year, but maybe like just the, a smidgen or a notch below that, maybe like the 23 points, uh, eight or nine rebounds, nice percentages across the board. Can't you just see him doing that at the end of the season after this game? Oh, definitely. Peters, he's 6'9", he's 235. You know, just a tireless work ethic in this game. It went exactly as we said it was going to. Kentucky was ticked off. They came in, Valpo, with this 1-3-1 zone. They tried to slow it down and milk the clock. Um, Walker did a nice job getting to the basket on some moves. But the Kentucky defense, when they want to play, if Valpo, please remind me of this as we get to the tournament, Valpo cannot play a team 
that is going to be this long and this athletic in the tournament. In terms of the matchup, this is not the team to play. Their bench gives them nothing. The freshman Sorolla, the center, had eight points, but, I mean, that was pretty much non-important points. So they need to keep on the floor and control Temple, and you just can't against Kentucky. Fox was all over on the defensive end, picking pockets, throwing lobs. Peters is all over Adebayo trying to keep him locked. But Monk then, once then once they, they lock that down, then Monk would hit a jump shot. Um, they, obviously, we know Kentucky's loaded. They're really ticked. I told you I would have given 20 easily in this game. No offense to Valpo. It was just a bad spot. Good call. Um, he's, you know, it's interesting, too. This is just a side note. Willis is better than Gabriel. I know Gabriel is the freshman, and I know what Calipari's trying to do, probably because mm-hmm. Willis is fine coming off the bench maybe. Mm-hmm. But to me, Gabriel is much, much worse than Willis. So keep an eye on that. In those big games that they have this year, I don't know if he can afford to have Gabriel in the starting lineup. He had he had uh, two turnovers, had four personal fouls, didn't really play much. Willis is a much better player. But you know what? It's nice to have someone coming off the bench. But that's just something to keep an eye on. Listen, uh, Kentucky's good. Valpo's just a tough spot. Crusaders are still seven and two on the season. Um, sure, and Kentucky, you know, obviously licked their chops. They were they were hungry after UCLA loss. But I, I was impressed with Alex Peter putting up nice po- big points against a uh, you know a, a front line defense. And like you said, when Kentucky wants to defend, you know they can get into your shorts and, and get after it a little bit. And here's my prediction on your last little thought right there. I think Cal's is going to go you know game to game and, and segment to segment. If he needs a shooter on the floor to spread to spread the floor to spread the offense, he's going to put Willis out there. If he needs somebody to do some dirty work, set some picks, grab some rebounds, and defend, he's going to put Gabriel out there. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be a case by case basis as far as those two guys and their playing time. Um, but great observation. I, I, uh, my eyes weren't totally locked in on that for that game. Uh, let's go down to the Rock in New Jersey. We got a neutral site game with two ranked teams on Broadway. It's a little bit off Broadway, you know, across the river, go go into New Jersey. Um, the Rock's a beautiful arena. Uh, we have number one Villanova against number three, uh, number twenty three Notre Dame. Um, both coming off uh, wins. Uh, uh, Villanova coming off the Big Five win, and uh, Notre Dame coming off the win, uh, uh, our fishy line win. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like Brunson is going to be a difference maker in this game. I, I can see him having an impact on this game uh, with his like crafty, post-up, head fake, come-through type moves uh, that Notre Dame might fall prey to. I can see him having a big, big impact on this game. Yeah, the, uh, listen, my, the first instinct for me on this game is high scoring. Villanova and Notre Dame, they're going to get up and oh. down the floor at the Rock. Uh, you know, you get the uh, tennis fan head where you keep looking back and forth. That's what's going to be this game. It's going to be exciting to watch. Hoops Weiss talked about it too. Let's see what happens. Notre Dame could be Villanova. They could knock them off. I, I could see it here. If, if you made me pick, I'm picking the Wildcats. But you know what? Should be a great game, exciting game um, down in the uh, in the Rock in New Jersey. Now, this game is was a little bit under the radar. And this is, at some point, I don't know if these guys crossed over where they were both in the Big East at one point. I don't think that happened. Um but former Big East, number 22, Cincinnati, versus current Big East, number uh, 16, Butler. Um, it, the game is at Hinkle, uh, so that's an advantage for the, uh, for the Bulldogs. And just from looking at this on paper, I think Washington is going to be the big difference maker here. I don't know if Butler has anybody to match up with his size inside. Uh, I don't know about you, but Washington looks like much, much fitter, much more athletic, um, he looks much healthier than he was at NC State. 
Um, I think he's going to be a little bit of a bear for them to handle down low. And I'm telling you right now, the Martin-Evans matchup here is worth the watch alone. I think those guys are going to be at each other on both ends of the floor. Um, and I kind of want to see how both of them uh, match up against one another. Uh, so I, I, I think if you're going to pay attention to one little side note on this game, the Martin-Evans matchup is is a highlight for me. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I would expect Butler to win this game. Uh, with the loss on the road, they're going to come home annoyed. Cincinnati did a nice job at, at Iowa State. They had the great win there that, we, that you pre- correctly predicted. Uh, I think this is going to be a tough one. I think Butler's going to get back up in their shorts. I think Butler's going to get a home whistle. Uh, this would be a spectacular win for Cincinnati and Mick Cronin's team. They win at Iowa State and Butler. Those are two of the toughest places to play. I do expect a Butler fairly comfortable eight-point win in this game, but let's Mm. see what happens. Number two, UCLA versus Michigan. Do you think UCLA might have a little letdown after their huge road win at Kentucky? That road win is going to possibly be the biggest road win that any team can have the entire season. Um, So you feel like there might be a little letdown? I'm not sure. I think this line could be a little fishy once it comes out, and I think that's the thing I'm going to pay attention to too. And Michigan's been playing well. They have athletes. They have players. They have shooters. Uh, Beeline always does a good job. So I'm intrigued by this game to see if there's a little letdown and to pay attention to what the line is in this game. Could be. Uh, The game is in UCLA. If it was in Ann Arbor, I would agree with you. Uh, I think UCLA is sort of a momentum snowball right now. I expect that to keep going. I love that it's uh, Saturday night, Gus, at uh, 8 o'clock p.m. So, you know, I'm sorry to my wife if she wants to write, you know, watch Nights in Rodanthon. You know, that's not happening on Saturday. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, no, UCLA is very impressive. They should win this game. They should be number one. Okay, I'm sorry to Villanova. I mean, listen, Villanova pounds Notre Dame. I get it because that would be a nice win. But is there going to be a team, Gus, in college basketball that has a more impressive road win than UCLA just had? I don't think so. Um, so. All year long. So uh, close game. Uh, Michigan, you know, beeline great coach, but I do expect UCLA to win it comfortably. They're just too hot right now. Um, so now let's uh, let's turn to to Coach Biancardi. We're gonna have the, we're gonna play the Coach Biancardi interview uh, for you right now from ESPN. Uh, director of recruiting for them does a great job. He gave us a few minutes here on the screen, the screener podcast. Great information that you're going to have here. Talk about college basketball and then listen up when he gets to those recruits that are coming in. Really incredible stuff. So here's Coach Biancardi. Folks, we have another amazing guest with us today on the Screen the Screener podcast. We have Coach Paul Biancardi, uh, former uh, coach at Wright State, at St. Louis, at Boston College in Ohio State, and he's currently ESPN.com's National Director of Recruiting. You can find him on Twitter at Paul Biancardi, B-I-A-N-C-A-R-D-I, and he joins us for a few minutes here. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, we are thrilled uh, to be able to talk to you about college basketball and then what you're seeing on the recruiting trail for next year. I got to tell you, Coach, we feel here at the podcast that this has been one of the most exciting starts to the college basketball season. Uh, Just get your take on the start to the season, these big matchups, and and what you're seeing so far. Well, we all love the big matchups because we get a chance to see the best teams early go head-to-head and, you know, see who's really good and who's who's a contender and who may be a pretender and you also get a chance to, to witness some of the teams and what they may be lacking early, and then the coaches have a great chance to correct that before the uh, league play starts. But because there's so many outstanding freshmen in college basketball spread around this year, they're not all at Kentucky and Duke, although Kentucky and Duke have outstanding freshmen. 
You see great freshmen at Washington, at UCLA, at Arizona, at Kansas, at North Carolina. So the talent is spread out, which is making our rankings in terms of the AP Top 25 confusing every week because we have a new number one team, it seems like, every week. Indiana has some great freshmen, some returners. Villanova is an older team, and, and, and certainly they're the defending national champs. And there's so many teams right now that I think that you could argue that could be the number one team in the country. And I think if you try to pick a top ten right now, we could be talking about 20 teams for 10 spots. And I forgot about Gonzaga, who I have in my final four out west. They've been outstanding early this year. You know, that's a great call, Coach. My partner, Gus, has Gonzaga as well in the Final Four. We split. I took St. Mary's. He took Gonzaga. Why don't you touch on that a little bit? Because I know Washington with, with Markel Fultz, you can talk about him because you knew about him before anyone, is going to be playing Gonzaga. What are your thoughts on, on Washington, Gonzaga, and what you're seeing out there? Well, Washington's struggling, even though Fultz is outstanding. Nobody really has the size out west um, to match Gonzaga inside. you got you got Zach Collins, the freshman who can shoot it. He's a great pick-and-pop guy. you got Kownowski inside. I mean, nobody can handle him one-on-one. He demands double teams. And then you got some outside shooters. you got point guard play with Nigel Williams-Goss and Perkins. Uh, they have balance. They have size. And they're my team from you know the West, I think, that's going to make it to the Final Four. It could be a good game against Washington. Uh, Washington's going to have to step up their defensive play if they want to hang around because we saw what Gonzaga did to Arizona. Coach, you know, the the freshmen, too, it's a great point. The freshmen have made such an impact, and it's really been an evolution. You know, Calipari, you know, really made the push for the freshmen, but you're seeing it across the board now, and I feel like it peaked in that UCLA-Kentucky game. What a wonderful matchup that was. I mean, there were some, you know, Hamilton, of course, played a huge role. So did Welsh. He's in a little bit of foul trouble. But basically, T.J. Leaf and Lonzo Ball, especially in the second half, really made an impact on that game, along with Fox, Adebayo, and Monk. So just talk about those fresh. It's amazing how the freshmen really, and it's the beginning of the year, right, Coach? By the time we get to tournament time, the freshmen could be just universal, making a huge mark here. Well, they've impacted the game early. And you just mentioned five guys that are potential lottery picks in the upcoming draft if their season continues um we talked about lonzo ball and tj leaf lonzo ball was a top five player in the class and tj was in the top 12 we said those two guys and also the big fellow they had in the back the other freshman uh ike the shop blocker would transform ucla we said that a year ago into one of the most improved teams in the country and they've done it already Steve Alford had a lot of returning pieces. In fact, they had all the returning pieces except for Tony Parker. So UCLA uh, looks like right now they could get to an Elite Eight or a Final Four, a long season to go. They're going to have to defend at a high level to get there. But we love this freshman class. We think it's deep, it's talented, it has star power. And we haven't even seen the number one player in the class yet, Harry Giles, who's expected to play soon for Duke. So... We've seen Josh Jackson and the impact at Kansas. The freshmen at Duke are outstanding, and Marquise Bowden is going to get better over time, the big fella. We don't even mention Jared Allen all that much. He was the number one center last year. He's at Texas. They're struggling a little bit because they don't have a point guard. Uh, This class has star power in the top ten, and it has star depth. Uh, We had a hard time trying to find the number one player in this class. There were three or four guys, freshmen, from last year, who we thought could have been the number one player coming out. 
I think it was two years ago that we had uh, 14 freshmen declare for the NBA draft for the draft of 2015, and, and 13 made it, uh, drafted. The only one who didn't make it was Cliff Alexander. I think you're going to see that number broken in the 2017 uh, draft coming up this year. I really believe that. Wow. Uh, folks, we're talking to, to Coach Paul Biancardi, uh, National Director of Recruiting for ESPN.com. Kind enough to give us a few minutes here. Coach, another one that sort of jumped off the screen at me because of the Alonzo Trier situation and, and all the uncertainty there was Kobe Simmons. And, you know, I remember reading on ESPN about how Kobe Simmons was looking like a Kentucky player, and then all of a sudden he's out in Arizona. He got off to a hot start and was scoring early. Um, you know, he's had some ups, ups and downs. What do you think his impact's going to be? And if Trier does come back, does that help him or hurt him? What do you think? Well, some freshmen, you know, don't want the pressure in the spotlight right away, and some can handle it. Most have to groom themselves as time goes on. Uh, Simmons now is forced into action uh, because they, they're out of point guard right now and they're out Trier. Right. So he's going to be forced into action. He, he's a transition-type point guard, which means he loves to go up and down, uh, go for steals defensively, and, and gamble a little bit, if you will. But he, he can keep, keep people in front of him, but he loves to go on the fast break as a facilitator or a guy who can finish. He's going to learn how to think the game and set up his team in the half court. That's going to be huge for Kobe Simmons. Sure, that's very true. And, and, and Coach, you're in the middle of it, right? You already not only have a handle on the players who are in college, but you can give us a heads up at, at some things that are coming uh, in the future. What, what are you seeing right now on the recruiting trail, names, places they're going, and some other people that you think uh, that we, th- we should keep our eye on here as, as we get into the season? Well, the class of 217 is better than we thought. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, the number one player in the class, is headed to Arizona, uh, the most mobile, skilled big guy that I've seen in my, my tenure at ESPN recruiting, uh, covering players. I haven't seen a center who could go outside and shoot it, put the ball on the deck, and also have a sweet post game, as well as being really mobile on the defensive end. And the number two player in the country, Michael Porter Jr., he's a six nine small forward. Just think Paul George. And he's headed to, believe it or not, Washington. So the Pac-12 have the two best players in high school basketball coming out next year. And Wendell Carter, the number one power forward, he's headed to Duke. He's an Elton Brand type. He's got great hands, terrific footwork, thick, strong body inside. And he's the number three player in the class headed to Duke. Uh, Kentucky's got four players already inside the top 50. Uh, they have the number one class, which is no surprise because under John Calipari, uh, Kentucky's had the number one or two class uh, during his time at Kentucky. So the, the blue bloods of the world are getting their players. But there's a, some other programs, just to mention real quickly, in the SEC, Auburn and Alabama have brought in outstanding classes. Alabama has a guard by the name of Colin Sexton. Remember that name, one of the most dynamic scoring guards in this class if not the most dynamic scoring guard. He's going to play for Avery Johnson. And they also have number 25, John Petty. So I think Alabama will have a a great backcourt next year and the ability to challenge maybe Kentucky at the top. Wow, that, that, that's a tremendous rundown. And, and these are the names, folks, in the future. Coach Paul Biancardi, he sees them before anyone else, and you're getting a preview here. It's great to hear, Coach, about the West because uh, my partner and I always talk about there's an East Coast bias. We're in the East Coast, but we love the West Coast. We're junkies. We stay up late. We tape the, we tape the games. We end up watching them. It's, it's really good for the balance to see across the board that there'll be some, uh, some big-time talent going to the West Coast. Yeah, and, and there's still a lot of players on the board, and I'll tell you what, the number one unsigned player 
is Mohamed Bamba. He's 6'11", with a 7'8 wingspan out of New York. So if you want to go back to the East Coast, uh, this guy can impact the game defensively, an outstanding shot blocker with length. He's looking at Duke. He's looking at Kentucky. He's looking at Harvard uh, amongst a lot of schools. So he's the highest-rated player right now that is unsigned in the ESPN 100. That's that's fantastic, folks. This is Coach Paul Biancardi. Gave us a kind of to give us a few minutes. He's going back out in the recruiting trail right now, getting information for us. Thank you, Coach, so much for coming on the Screen the Screener podcast. We look forward to following you on ESPN, following you on Twitter at Paul Biancardi, and hearing about these great players so that when we see him, we can say, hey, Coach, tell us about him a little bit earlier. So thanks so much for a few minutes here. We're honored to have you on. Well, I enjoyed it. Hope to come on again and love the name, Screen the Screener. It's a great concept. Appreciate it. We love, we're love. we vagabond junkies, Coach. That's what we're about. Great. Thanks so much, Coach. All right. Thank you. Take care. Wow, some great information there from Coach Paul Biancardi. Uh, really fascinating, Gus. Not only his take on, on the college circuit, and listen, this guy knows, he knows players right now that no one even knows. He knows players right now in middle school. He's got that much information and exciting some of the recruits that are coming up. Talked about the, the, the Calipari rankings. And how about that kid from, uh, the, from the, the New York area who's got a 7-8 wingspan? Somebody's got to sign that guy. Yeah, whoever gets that guy is going to be happy on. They're going to have an anchor on the defensive end. Holy smokes. And you know what I was uh, kind of excited to hear? Uh, you know, to, just to further our, our, our West Coast push for basketball and to to, to lessen the, the, the East Coast bias. I'm excited the top two players are going out West to play in the Pac-12. Love that. Love yeah. it. Tremendous. And he loves Gonzaga, you can tell, too. He's yeah. with us on Gonzaga. Yeah. He's got him going to the Final Four. I, I was I, yeah I was I was fired up that somebody else is on board with me with uh, was seeing like what they're what they're doing and and somebody else picking them for this final four all right coach thank you coach ESPN if you'd like to hire Gus you can contact us at SDS podcast on Twitter anytime you want I'll be his agent uh, so uh, we got to go to the thank yous and then we're done here of course thank you to Coach Paul Biancardi for giving us a few minutes from. Uh, from ESPN going over this stuff we're honored to have him on the podcast he said he'd come back again we'll definitely take him up on that. Uh, thank you, Coach. Uh, the knowledge that you dropped was was mind-boggling. Uh, my head is still shaking from all the, the nuggets of information that you gave about each one of the incoming players. Like, totally crazy good stuff. Thank you so much, Coach. Uh, we also want to say thank you to the technology department for setting up that interview and making all that happen and getting this podcast into your ears. Thank you, technology department. Technology. And thank you to Bell Jar for our intro and outro music. We love that you are uh, keeping the Screen the Screener podcast rocking in and out. Um, and thank you, listeners. Uh, Mike and I are totally excited, absolutely humbled, and floored by the amount of feedback that we're getting from you guys. Keep it coming. We're, it's giving us motivation and, and just inspiring us to give you more and more. So thank you, listeners out there. Uh, and Mike Randall, does Jack Gibbs just set the screen? Oh, Jack Gibbs sets the screen, slips the screen, and screens the screener and pumps in 30 in UNC against Old Roy. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I got to work on that voice. I think the librarian sounded like she works in the technology department. We'll do that for <laughs> next time. Uh, screen the Screener podcast. Email the show at sdspodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Screen the Screener, folks. We're coming back tomorrow where we also have Coach Seth Greenberg tomorrow. Gus, how do we pull this off? Man, can't wait to talk to Coach. Screen the screen.